Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Welcome to the show! I am Ben Bateman, your host of Action Movie Anatomy on Popcorn Talk, the online network talking movies and all things movie related. Joined today in a two-man show, this is our second one we've ever done, Mr. Andrew Cut, where's your tie? That uh, rhymes, and you knew it does. Is that, <laughs> that's you gonna stop? Go ahead. Uh, look, I want to talk about what happened with the ties today. I don't know, I just didn't feel like wearing one. Although, coincidentally, I got a tweet uh, like two weeks ago from a fan that was like, he's like, I really respect you a lot, but your, sh- your t- shirt-to-tie combo looks like Stevie Wonder picked him out. <laughs> It's like, thanks, man. I appreciate that. You ran the, the Ross eight for one deal. You went through eight. We got to cycle I got to go buy eight more. <laughs> it's laundry day. <laughs> What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Really excited to talk about the movie. And I'm happy it's a two-man show. I feel like you never want to hang out with me anymore. <laughs> you don't want to talk to me. So true story, guys. We've only done one of these two-man shows ever, and it was back, way back. It was a, it was a Tom Cruise movie. It was uh, Mission Impossible 3, and it actually turned out to be one of the more popular episodes that we did. So this is kind of a return to our roots Today we're doing Looper, a really unique, really special sci-fi movie for, for the new generation, directed by Ryan Johnson uh, from 2012, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis, the smoking hot Emily Blunt, uh, and this is kind of this kind of an exciting one. I mean, it's I love her. Oh, wait, wait, what we're, we? we're doing Looper, not Emily. Oh, Blunt. I she's oh, in right, the movie. Right, 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 right. I'm excited to talk about the movie. I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is Action Movie Anatomy. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, we do movies here on this show, and they adhere to four rules, basically, after being made 1981 or later, which is kind of like the unofficial first rule. Right. Rule number one is that the hero and the villain always are the smartest people in the room, or like villain, it could be an alien, alien or, or something. raptor or something. They're the smartest things in the room. Uh, Number two, the hero always plays by his or her own rules. Rule number three, the movie is always driven by a police, military, or political figure. And rule number four, there's at least one explosion. This movie definitely breaks rule three. Yeah, there um, is no, uh, there is no police, military, or political figure to follow. Yeah, he's like, he's more of a mercenary. Yeah, he's um, a hitman. Yeah, he's a hitman. So, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's still a sweet action movie. It's an awesome action movie. Um, we did do a couple things differently in the last few weeks because we started to think about this, right? Like this movie, we did Minority Report last week. Mm-hmm. These are movies that are really great movies, but they're not really remembered for their iconic characters. So it's really right. difficult when you talk about them in the context of like, you know, Predator or like Aliens or you talk about them in the context of Die Hard. You're not dealing with like a McLean or a Riggs or a Dutch or one of these characters that really stands out. Um, they're just great movies. So what we did is we took the 23 movies, this is episode 24 of Action Movie Anatomy, and we ranked them, our own personal lists. That was uh, incredibly difficult. Extremely difficult. I looked at it probably five times over the, the day that I sent it to you. Basically, the only difference between the lists is that I love Edge of Tomorrow and you love Gladiator. And we like <laughs> had to jam like it down each other's throats. Yeah. I'd just be like, I want it higher! And you're like, why is Gladiator not number one? 
Um, that's like the all that happened. But uh, we'll show you guys that list at the end of the episode when we get to this movie and where we're going to rank right. it in the list. As I think I know where I want to put this movie already. But already? Obviously, we'll... You're like Rain Man. You can see ahead. He couldn't see the future. I don't know why I, know, I said I just, that. To, 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 I don't, I, Tom Cruise is in that movie. Do you want to talk about that? Let's talk about Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, guys, before we get into the trailer for this movie, I do want to remind you, please rate and review on iTunes. We have a set, a very limited number, far less than we thought, of Action Movie yes. Anatomy mugs coming in very soon. And we've given four away so far. So if you go, once we get to 20 reviews and ratings on iTunes, uh, we're going to be taking a break because we didn't get there as fast enough as we thought we would to give right. away as many mugs as we thought. So we have a few to give away until we get to 20 reviews reviews and it will be randomly selecting one of the reviews on itunes to give a mug away so go and find us on itunes give us a rating give us a review we'll be shipping your mug off with the four we've given away so far uh and lastly check out the other shows on popcorn talk we have anatomy of a movie that comes out every friday covers new movies that we do on the uh, on the network here i'm not exactly sure what they're covering this week but uh, is it a uh, sicario i think it could be could sicario. be yeah i think last with week Blunt. was everest and the martian um yeah. so yeah it's, it's a great show incidentally emily blunt it, yes, absolutely. And also The Walk, which I believe comes out next week. Right. Gentlemen, yes. it's actually both Sicario and The Martian. Look at us go. Look at that. I saw The Martian. Perfect. It was excellent. You guys should watch Anatomy of a Movie. They'll talk all about it. Um, oh, yeah, and we have uh, we have a new show on the network. It's actually not a new show. It right. was a show that used to be called Do Games Make Good Movies uh, that is now called Video Game Anatomy. Movie. So, video Game Movie Anatomy. Video Game Movie Anatomy. VGMA. And VGMA, <laughs> and we will, we will. I guess we'll call that sort of like a sister podcast because it's got the same name and everything very like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you guys should check that out as well. Do we know when that when that airs? When does Video Game Movie Anatomy air? Because there is such a short list of video game movies, it airs every two Mondays. So in okay. two weeks, October nineteenth will be the next episode. Sweet. Excellent. So yeah, check I watched. That out. I watched a good amount of the uh, Final Fantasy episode. It's good stuff. It's yeah. fun. I remember that movie distinctly. Yeah. Alec Baldwin with uh, no no Ben Affleck with Alec Baldwin's voice it was not a good movie no <laughs> um but uh but you guys can see what they thought of it on their show so anyway let's get into the movie guys this is looper from 2012 let's let's cue the trailer and chat about how much sweet new tra- how much sweeter new trailers are than oh old my trailers. gosh i know this is what they talk or this is what we were talking about how like just have the characters say what you want to write on the screen yeah you've done all this already as me i don't want to talk about time travel we both know how this has to go down so why don't you do what old men do and die? <laughs> Stick your little gun out between your legs and do it. Boy. Their dynamic together is just really good. It's very good. Yeah. It's, it's captivating. And, like, I love the idea of, like, in the very beginning when they first get introduced to each other and Willis is kind of following him around. Like, yeah. Saving his ass. Yeah. But this idea came to me, like, watching the movie. And I, I mentioned it to you. It was like... Could you imagine seeing yourself when you're in your 40s, or when you're in your 40s, looking at yourself in your 20s and be like, this dumbass. Right. What is he doing? You know? You're a looper. Those droppers are a good time, by the way. <laughs> um, that's a joke. Drugs are not cool, guys. Drugs are not cool. Unless they're the droplets that go in your eyes in the future. In the movie Looper. Um... <laughs> Yeah, like it's just so funny because we just, I think over the last like month we did, I want to say like Minority Report, Gladiator, Born Identity, and The Matrix. Yeah. All of which were made like within a few years of each other. They're all made within three years. And all four trailers had like the same like fatal flaw. Absolutely. Which is just like, dramatic thing happens yeah. writing on the screen. As a dramatic. Slave. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, my yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we can see the future. Yeah, like, no, exactly. Like, the future can be seen. My favorite was when we were talking to Minority Report, how like, 
and nowadays crews would just like say the voiceover of those right. lines. Right, it wouldn't even be in the movie. The future can be seen, future and like can be seen. Yeah, is awesome. But uh, see, this, and then they start. They do put writing in it, but it's like it's not. I don't know. It's done better. It's just not the Maybe same. It's because it's shaking. Oh my god! It's just a little bit. Yeah. Piper Parabu, why are you in this movie? Yeah, it is funny. I mean, you just... Like, she gets naked in this movie. I think she's just trying really hard. I mean... It's not a bad movie to be in at all. Not at all, It's like a good... It's kind of like... It's almost the equivalent of, like, picking up a free agent that you think is going to do really well, and it pays off. In fantasy football? In fantasy football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie is low budget. She read the script, loved it. She's like, I'll take this bit role. Hopefully it'll help my career again. Oh, I think when you read the script, and it's like Ryan Johnson's next movie, Mm -hmm. and Bruce Willis and JGL are on board, she's like, I'll do it for free. Oh, yeah, no, I got that kind of ties into my thesis statement a little bit. So, uh, yeah, so that's the trailer for Looper, which I thought was really quite good. Um, we Very are going to start out right now with our thesis statement, so our bold statement. This is kind of that moment where you think about the movie and you're like, you know, they're, they're, what is the most important thing about this movie? What mm-hmm. is, what's going to stand the test of time? What, what makes this movie memorable? Uh, and that's what we start with. So if anybody is watching on uh, YouTube streaming live or you want to tweet at us and let us know if you have a specific thought about the movie, uh, try to root it in sort of like hyperbole. It shouldn't be like, this is my favorite this or, there's a really cool this. It's like this changed this or this will be the best this what's whatever. So that um, was very well stated. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to tweet at either one of us, I'm Ben Bateman media and you can tweet at Andrew and Andrew guy. Um, let's get into it. What do, what do you got, buddy? Okay. So um, for me, I think this is one of the greatest examples of just raw storytelling, propelling a movie beyond what anyone thought it was going to be. Like you of look, all time, of all time. <laughs> no, I don't think of all time because I mean, you have some pretty good examples of that <laughs> in the yeah, history yeah, of film. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but this movie, it, it, it's literally just great storytelling. They don't get caught up on telling the past of Bruce Willis. They don't get caught up on explaining time traveling. They just tell you a great story that keeps you engaged the whole time. And a testament to that is Emily Blunt read half the script and she was like, "I'm in." Yeah. And that was before she even was introduced to her own character. It's awesome. No idea what she was going to do. She's like, I don't care. I could be, I could be a crack, like a crackhead on the side yeah. of the street. I'm going to be in this movie. It's kind of what you were talking about with Piper. Yeah. Because um, this movie is just great. It's just really good storytelling. It costs thirty million dollars to make. Yeah. And you get something that's this good with these big names, and it looks like it's a big budget. Yeah. It, it was just. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I was thinking about what about this movie stands out to me because it's not very old. It's only three years old. Right. Um, I did see this movie in theaters, and I was pretty blown away by it. Um, the movie that comes to mind for me that this is closest to in the last five or six years is, is District 9. Um, it's just in terms of the impact it had yeah, when it came yeah, out. Yeah, for sure. You know, same kind of deal. Very gritty, very sort of dark, futuristic movie. Well told. And I think District 9 was actually pretty cheap, relatively cheap to make yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, the big difference for me between this and District 9 is that I walked out of District 9 feeling like it was a really good movie, but it it was so filled with hate, that, that movie. Like, there's so much negative energy in that yeah, movie yeah. that I remember walking out of it just feeling kind of grimy. Like, like it was a good story. It was mm-hmm. very effective, but I've never wanted to watch it again. Yeah, it's interesting because in this movie, there are parts of it that are like, whoa. Like, like yeah. when they catch Paul Dano's character yeah. and you see his old self start to like disintegrate, Yeah, that is gnarly. Like that scene, every time I watch it, and I love horror movies, I love dark movies, it like yeah. gets to me in like a weird way. Like I do not enjoy it, but I do understand because this movie ultimately ends up, it's a happy story. Mm. You know, the good guy wins. 
the good people get away and the bad guys lose. You know, the good guy sort of wins. He wins. He totally wins. Yeah, you know, in a way. In a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's not the same type of hate-driven film. It's it's just weird. I mean, I, I know I've said this to people about District Nine before, and it's a very abstract thing. It could have been the state of mind I was in when I watched it. It's just that there's because that movie obviously has like racial tension. That's like what the whole mm-hmm. thing is about. That movie. Right. When you watch a movie that's got so much killing and so much like race war, essentially, yeah, ignorant it's, people. It's gnarly what they do, like the way that they treat the aliens. And all yeah, that. yeah, it's just really gnarly. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, my thesis statement about this movie though is I was thinking about the impact it had on me. Um, Ryan Johnson is going to be one of the definitive filmmakers of our generation. If, if you don't know that yet, it's because he's so young and he's only done a few films. I believe Ryan Johnson will be one of the definitive filmmakers of our generation. And this movie will be remembered as his young masterpiece. Um, that is my <coughs> You don't think it'll statement. be Brick? Because I, I feel like Brick is kind of more so the thing that broke him through and that was like the thing that really got him noticed by people. I would say in the mold of like, say, Danny Boyle, where right. Shallow Grave broke him, but Train Spotting is his young gotcha. masterpiece. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, I totally agree with Brick that. Is like, Brick is like a very good movie, but when I watched Brick the second time, it was sort of like, this is a really good movie for what it was, and it's incredibly impressive that this was made by a 30-year-old kid. Right. This is his first movie. It's only $500,000, but... I'm not compelled to watch it over and over again. Right. Whereas I can watch this Looper. movie. This is a movie I can see a lot of times. I've seen this movie probably close to ten times. Yeah. Around there. So that's uh, my thesis statement. And I think you guys will see in the next few years, Ryan Johnson is signed on right now to direct Star Wars Episode Eight, mm-hmm. uh, And he's also, I believe, one of the co-writers on Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah, which is incredible. It's crazy. Think, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I mean, that's where, that's where your thesis statement really hits home is you look at what this guy's done. And he gets given a Star Wars movie. Yeah, well, because and so that's when I when I say that it's actually I'm I'm gambling like my belief in his success less on his talent and more on the fact that do do any of us really think that those movies aren't going to break records and make more money than than anything? I cannot wait to see what Number Seven does to the box office. It's gonna be crazy. It's probably gonna be the highest grossing movie of all time. I believe so. Um, but the point is, he's going to get given the eighth movie, which means no matter how good or bad the first, the eighth, or the ninth movie is, they're going to make so much money that any yeah. studio is going to say, this guy's a success, give him whatever he wants, he can make whatever movie he wants. Mm-hmm. At that point, in whatever, I guess it's going to be, are they coming out successively in 2016, I believe so, but I'm not positive. I don't want to like speak on that one. Yeah. I'm not positive, but I believe so. So if he does 2017, let's just say Star Wars Episode Eight, that whatever movie he does after that is going to be some massive, huge... And that's why I believe you are going to see this guy. He's 41 years but old But I also right now. think it'll be huge to the sense of, like, a No Country for Old Men type huge yeah, or yeah, something completely, like that. Completely. Where it's not, like, Avengers huge yeah. or Jurassic Park huge or World. He's, but like, too, he's too smart of a filmmaker. He's too smart. And, he, and yeah. he, like, he likes telling great stories too much to pick a movie that's just, like... I'm going to make money. It's just like Colin Trevorrow when he did Jurassic World. Trevorrow. Trevorrow <laughs> is interested in doing his movies now, the movies he wants to do, but right. he has so much cred from Jurassic World. So anyway, that yeah. is uh, my thesis statement. Let's like get into... That. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, let's get into Fist Pump. And Fist Pump moment, this is that moment where you're sitting on the couch, you're watching the movie, and something happens, and we're assuming you're watching the movie by yourself. Maybe you've got a glass of wine in your hand. I don't or know. maybe you've even got a friend that'll watch a movie with you. Maybe you're using those sweet eyedroppers from Looper and you're just <laughs> into the movie. Look, man, um, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> and something happens and you're just like, you're like, oh my God, that's so sweet. And you kind of glance around like, is anyone else seeing this yeah. right now? And you're just like, I am so stoked. I get to watch the rest of this movie. God, I love this movie. Yeah. Um, and that is a fist pump moment. It could be anything. It could be a line from a character. It could be the score. It could be an explosion. Could be a touching moment between a father and a son at the end of Warrior. 
Um, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is our fist pump moment, and uh, we're going to share our fist pump moments right now. You're going to go first. Am I? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would say my fist pump moment in this film is probably that that scene when Jesse is being lifted up while Sid oh, is having his like so TK explosion, sweet. and in slow mo you see like the blood from his body being like, like pulled pull. oh. out of his body. Yeah. Um, that's pretty gnarly. It's yeah. really, 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 really cool. Uh, I just, I just really, really enjoyed that scene. I don't know. It's just, it's just. My fist pump moment comes from the exact same scene. Okay, yeah, actually, it's just epic. It's epically like, wow. It's like, just really well done, and and it's kind of one of those things. It's like, why have they been alluding to telekinesis throughout this whole film? Who cares? Like, what is? Oh wow, Paul Dano used it to pick to pick up girls. Emily Blunt uses it to shut down guys. Yeah, what's the point? Right. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, yeah, holy shit. This yeah. is how one guy is so powerful that he ends up basically taking over the world in the future. It's also cool because it's one of the few scenes in the movie where, like, there's clearly, like, some kind of commu- computer effect, right. CGI something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're it's very sparse in this movie. They don't use a lot of it. And also, they don't show you how powerful Sid is very many times in the movie. No. Like, a few times. You only get a few moments of it. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of the gnarliest example of how much damage he can do. Right. This and then when you find out that the way that he killed his aunt yeah. was... You know, the same thing, like a, essentially. A, yeah, an accident, essentially. Yeah. Uh, my fist pump moment is when Joseph Gordon-Levitt unveils his Miata. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you on audio, there was just an intense stare between us that just happened. Uh, no, my fist pump... <laughs> <laughs> my fist bump moment is when it's the same scene. Uh, I'm really glad we just shared that it's together. The same scene. It's, it's the same. Actually, scene. when he unveils his Miata, it's, <laughs> it's when um, it's when Jesse gets picked up, and there's this look in Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Or no, excuse me. It's when Sid starts to fall. Yeah, and there's this look in Levitt's eyes, and he's like, "Oh my god, he's he like goes to save him." Yeah, and then there's this look in Emily Blunt's eyes, like, "Oh my son, I got to go save him." No. Yeah. She's like, we need to get the fuck out of here right now. And she yeah. grabs Joseph Gordon-Levitt and takes him out the door. She straight up like she's delivers like, a legal NFL hit on him yeah, through she's the like, door. I'm saving your life. Shoulder this first is, to the chest. It's so cool because at that moment as a viewer, you're like, is the kid going to die? Or like, is he going to get hurt? Or like, what's happening exactly? And you think maybe JGL is going to like save him. And then you realize like, no, this yeah. dude is way more powerful than any of you can imagine. It's also like the other effective moment that they use earlier is when he's Sid is screaming the first time she goes and locks herself in the safe. Right. Um, yeah. It's, they just do a great job with that. It's, it's very it's, heavy, yeah. and, 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 but it's not heavy handed. Yeah. Um, and then my other, uh, my other fist pump is it's that thing that I talked about. It's when they start ripping a pulp apart the future Paul Dano. Yeah. Even though it's so hard for me to watch and it's like it's by far one of the gnarlier things. I mean like his like fingers start disappearing and then his ankle and his arms and he's like when he's banging on the door and it's just like his limbs. Yeah. The reason it's my fist pump moment is not because I enjoy watching it and yeah. not because I look around I'm, I, I look around I'm like holy shit did you just see that? Yeah. Like the the genius that went behind creating the tension of that scene yeah. is was was like wow that's just great writing right Absolutely. There. Yeah I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. All right. Excellent. Let's get into let's get into star profiles and sort of break down where these guys are in their career. Yeah. I mean, this is the Joseph Gordon-Levitt can do no wrong right now. Yeah. He's he he's is, hitting his completely hitting his stride over the last say four or five years. Um, you know, this is sort of part of the part of the run, which is like what we're in right now. The Walk is about to come out. You know, right. that's he's in contention already in, in awards discussions for that role. 
Um, he's had a few really great roles recently. I mean, you looked. I never saw Premium Rush, which I, came out just before this. And I, just, I wanted to mention that is that like it's it's interesting that because this is the time when it was like okay, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a leading man. He can do. He can just do. His, he did like Hesher a few years beforehand. Yeah, I remember that? He was in GI Joe and all that. Five hundred days of summer. Um, but then he goes in and he does Inception, Fifty Fifty, Dark Knight Rises, Premium Rush, and Looper. Yeah. And then he does Lincoln and then Don Don John. Yeah. But it's kind of this time when you're like, wait, Don the Don, movie with Marlon uh, Brando and Johnny Depp, Don Juan DeMarco? No, no. <laughs> Love that movie. <laughs> um, but it's like one of those things where it's like this. He's this is when we talk about the guy. Right. This is like the guy moment for him. Put him in anything as the yeah. lead, and people should go watch it. Yeah, you wonder if he's getting to that point. Like, each of these examples, he's not the guy in any of these movies up until probably Looper. But even Looper... Premium Rush, Looper. Yeah, but Premium Rush is not like a movie. Well, I know. That's what yeah. I'm saying, though. Yeah. It's like this movie about like a bike delivery yeah, yeah. or whatever. I don't. I didn't see it. Directed by David Coop, who <laughs> we like looked him up, but it's like, oh, this guy wrote everything. He's written like yeah. every good movie, and then he's directed like five. And all of the movies he's directed have been kind of like... Yeah. I mean, audience, if I'm wrong, like let let us know. Let me know if we should watch Premium Rush. I mean, yeah, we could be missing out on a huge I don't know anything about movie, it, really. Yeah. Um, I guess my point is like in each of these movies, he's he's a really well, though 50/50 is one of your favorites. I haven't seen 50/50. Love 50/50. Um, but in in like each of the others here, he's more of a supporting character. He's a strong supporting yeah. character. And even yeah. in Looper where he's basically the lead, it's also like Bruce Willis is also the lead, and that movie gets sold, and the studios want to put thirty million dollars behind that movie at that point right. because Bruce Willis is in it. Right. And he's Bruce Willis. It's it's not one of those things you can market as just Gordon Levitt and Bruce Willis. Yeah. It's just Gordon Levitt, Bruce Willis, and Emily Blunt. Like, right, they are the two lead guys. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the, but looking at this and and then thinking about where his career is now, he's not your traditional like handsome square jawed like leading man. Yeah. But he seems to be just carving out this niche for himself where if Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in a movie, it's kind of like a fastbender effect a little bit. Okay. You know, fastbender's yeah, a little more yeah. handsome I think, but even so, it's the same kind of thing. It's it's a really talented guy and people are willing to root for him cuz he just seems to take good projects. Well, and he's also he's got the like boyish charm that's like very like yeah, endearing, I guess. And like, he's been around forever. Yeah. I mean, It'd be interesting to see him play a bad guy one day. And I'm sure he will. Yeah. Actually, it's amazing we now that I've used him as a recast for a good point. I know. I feel like I should have used him at some point. I know. It's crazy to think back to Third Rock from the Sun and like watching that and seeing yeah. this kid who he didn't really like Steal the show by any means. It was kind it's of all weird. about French Stewart, yeah, kind of stealing it. You know, yep. Uh, him and uh, and Lithgow, Lithgow, Lithgow. Uh, but yeah, what a great run for this kid. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's young. He's he's got to be is he's he in forty 30s? yet? No, he's in his thirties. He's in his thirties. Yeah. yeah, man, it's awesome. He's definitely hitting his stride. I like <clears throat> the vast majority of these movies, and uh, you know, we were talking about Willis on the flip side, mm -hmm. and it's funny. Like, I was thinking Willis's career had just tanked. Yeah. And it kind of has, but right. it, it, but not really. Like it's it's tanked. So the three movies that we listed here beforehand are Fire with Fire, Expendables <clears throat> Two, and Moonrise Kingdom. So Moonrise is a role that he gets because Wes Anderson is you know a guy in his forties who is going to cast actors that he grew up watching, mm -hmm. and Willis is a guy that he watched. So it's a Wes Anderson movie. Like Willis is not your normal sort of like. Wes Anderson actor, but it would make sense he would get that movie because Wes Anderson. Right, like, he's watched him his whole life and been like, okay, you can play this part very yeah, well. And exactly, I and I know you can, so yeah. I'm just going to offer it to Bruce Willis. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like a very legit movie. Yep. 
right after Expendables 2 is sort of much more of like what we're talking about with it's tanked but not really. Right. Die Hard 4. Die, or yeah, Die Hard 4, Die Hard 5. Right? Both of them are like 4 made a lot of money, 5 was a huge travesty. Like, right. But neither of them are as exciting or credible to a new film guy. Right. And none of them are quite like The Witch King. Yeah. With, with, with Cage. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're not that bad, but they're not that good. They're not quite they're as bad kind of forgettable. As, as I am the white ghost. The blood of the... What is it? The blood that they spill will be on our swords. will be on our, our blades. <laughs> uh, then, you know, Fire with Fire in 2012. Now, I didn't see Fire with Fire. I didn't either. The thing about Willis that I've noticed, and, and, and if you guys have an opinion on this, you can sound off, because we're in a different era right now with movies, and movie stars especially. Um... There's a lot of straight-to-video, and there's a lot of Redbox and, like, streaming-only kind of movies that come out nowadays. Right. Uh, even when I see trailers for movies with stars in them on TV now, it's hard to tell sometimes if a movie is one or the other. Where Back 10 years ago, you could see a trailer for something you could just know. Is that going to be a right. theater movie, or is that going to be a straight-to-video movie? Yeah. They just felt different. And then also, those movies that didn't go to theaters that were straight-to-video or, like, very small indie releases, you were like, eh, Right, I'm not probably gonna not going to see that movie. Yeah. What I what you notice nowadays is you see a lot more of these former A-listers like Bruce Willis, and you can sort of tell something about their career by just the number of those movies you see them in. Mm-hmm. Some guys from that era still hold out, and they don't do those movies. Like, just for the most part, they're only still in major releases. There's not a whole lot of guys that do that, but you're not going to see Tom Hanks in a whole lot of straight-to-video movies. Like, Fair. he'll do his one movie a year. Russell mm-hmm. Crowe is going to do his one movie a year and he's not going to be. De Niro in has actually started to kind of be that straight guy. Straight to video, guy. Who to, or in like Netflix video yep, movies, exactly. and stuff like that. So what I notice is the last few years, I feel like Fire with Fire is one of those where it kind of like even just looking at the like the the, the art, cover art, bars, it kind yeah. of felt like that. Yeah. There's a few others as well that have come out. I think a little more recently, but interestingly enough, in the same ten year run, there's a few movies that he's done where you're like, oh yeah, he did. So it's like Die Hard Four, Die Hard Five. You know, he did Red. He did Red Two, mm-hmm. GI Joe Two, Rise of the Cobra. I believe he was in. Um, he's know, done decent movies. Yeah. It's just like nothing that you, that kind of like hits home. Like Looper. Yeah. He hasn't done anything quite like Looper since Looper, it feels. Looper's like a really good movie. Yeah. And like Bruce Willis used to be in really good movies. In the 90s, mm-hmm. in, in the late 80s, up until the early 2000s, Willis was doing like very strong movies. Yeah. And if he was in something you could trust, it was probably going to be pretty good. Right. Or at least entertaining or at least make some money. Yeah. So he sort of is on the cusp right now. He's like on the edge. He's not done. He feels like the right director could give him a project that's going to still be awesome. But in a lot of ways, he's one of these guys that was an action star. And it's difficult for those guys seemingly to reinvent themselves without that genre being what it used to be. Right. And this is why this is such a perfect movie for him. Yeah. He is such a badass in this movie. It's great. But he also gets to play that, like, father yeah. figure type not Completely. really a father figure to Joseph Gordon-Levitt but like you see him he's like he wants to settle down and live with his wife and yeah. like be left alone uh, it's great yeah his whole that whole rant that he goes on when he's at the diner and he's like kind of off in his own world she you give your love right. you're like a sponge she saves your life she saves your life she cleans you up and it shows hey, him come like, out to the coast we'll have yeah. a few drinks <laughs> California how can the same thing happen to the same guy so many times <laughs> Say a callback to our Die Hard episode. No big deal. You guys can check that one out. If you want. If you want. Um, So I would say that pretty much wraps it up for Star Profiles. We can talk a little Emily Blunt. Oh, wait. Hold on. We got these pictures. These pictures of our stars together. Yeah, we had we had two different uh, side by sides. We've I think we've been we've we've been on the one here. 
Um, we can jump over to the other, which is very funny. As you can see, they've looked like each other for basically their entire lives. For a number of years. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, then, and then if we jump to Emily Blunt, oh, look at that. It's from Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, whammy. Whammy. Look at that. I like how we didn't even cover her in Star Profiles. We're like, just... That picture from yeah. Edge of Tomorrow, yeah, that needs to be in there. So a couple things here, guys. One, the second episode of Action Movie Anatomy was Edge of Tomorrow. Can um, you just be quiet so I can look at this picture? <laughs> I, want, I need you. To, I need the audience to hear me it's breathing so- heavily. <laughs> um, Edge of Tomorrow is one of our favorites. It has yes. our lovely guest Roxy Stryer, who is uh, M- Action Movie Anatomy MVP she on is. the episode, and we Love talk. You, Rox. We talk about this scene and this yoga move a number of times. <laughs> In it, the, uh, there's actually a picture of her equally cool holding a shotgun in this movie that we decided not to. Right. We're like, you're like, we should use this picture. We're like, no, 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 we got to use, we got to use the edge of tomorrow. I wish you would have pulled the other one where it's her doing that, but Tom Cruise is just like sitting there, sitting creepily staring, staring at her. Yeah, it's weird. It's awesome though. Yeah. Um, so, so Emily Blunt, uh, Emily Blunt, what a weird career she's had. She seemingly came out of nowhere, right? She kind of like Looper, Edge of Tomorrow, Sicario. Like, she just has been in some things now. She's incredible, yeah. is what it is. Where, what, what's the part of... We don't, we're don't. we not covering her in Star Profiles, but, like, what's the part of Emily Blunt's career that happened before, before like, that stuff? Like, just what, keep talking. I'm going to pull it up. Like, I, I'm wondering, like, was she in uh, was she in Sunshine Cleaning, or am I making that up? You're making that one up, I'm pretty sure. Or was she in Devil Wears Prada? She was in Devil Wears Prada. I was just going to say, because that, that was the first thing that came up, is Devil Wears Prada was kind of the, the first big right? one. Right, that was, that like, a big one up. where she broke through, people liked her. I feel uh, like... Jane Austen Book Club, Dan okay. in Real Life, Charlie Wilson's War. Oh, oh well, she yeah. was in Sunshine Cleaning. I knew it. I hate you. <laughs> Which, if any of you don't remember what Sunshine Cleaning is, it was the, like... Equally, like, a dark comedy yeah. follow-up to Little Miss Sunshine that even had the name Sunshine in the title that, like, no one saw. Right. It's like, they're like, they clean up after murders, don't they? I think so. And, like, Alan, Alan Arkin is also in it. Yeah. Uh, do, reprising his Oscar-winning role, essentially. Yeah. It looked like they were just basically trying to make the same movie again. Right. With At the, least they were... With, the, with one word in the title, it was the same. They were marketing it exactly the same. I didn't ever see it. I just remember Emily Blunt was in it. But that was before I knew who she was, really. Wolfman, Adjustment Bureau, uh, Your Sister's Sister, which I really like, which is kind of like one of those indie, yeah. like, yep. rom-coms. And and also, um, um, also, Adjustment Bureau was that's like a big one. Yeah, and then five year engagement, and then Looper. So like, she's just kind of she's kind of like Rose Byrne. She's yeah. just sort of stuck around. She's picked very good movies for her 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 part. Like she's very good in, in uh, My Sister's Sister. I feel like Rose Byrne sister. is her comp, except that Rose Byrne excels in comedy roles, where Emily Blunt seems to excel in in action roles. They're like the same person. Otherwise, was so. it Damages? What was that show that Rose Rose Byrne Byrne got popular from? I don't know. I just I just knew like knew Rose Byrne for years and years and years as like being that chick who was in that movie. Right. You know, she's in Sunshine and she's in uh X Bridesmaids and she's in this new movie that's coming out that and she was in Wicker Park, I think. And yeah. she you know, she's like in all these movies over the years, just successful career. Everybody loves Rose Byrne. Um anyway, that is Emily Blunt. She's amazing. So big fan. See Sicario. Damages, that is what it was. Damages. Right. Okay. Let's move on to Ryan Johnson. So, Ryan Johnson, Brick, 05. That's his big breakthrough movie. Mm-hmm. $500,000. It's a high school noir film. It's sort of like a weird murder movie. Um, it's the kind of movie that if you were like in high school or college when it came out, you probably thought it was pretty awesome. And yeah. if you were older than that, you probably thought it was like a little like, yeah, it's kind of like for kids, but this is a good movie still. And it's amazing. Right. This is this guy's first movie. Kinda, I, I have the same feeling about it that I kind of have with Go. 
I yeah. never watched Go, but like I watched that in college, no, in high no. school, and I was like, "Ah, this movie's sweet." And then I think about it now, I'm like, "That's eh, still good. I just don't really want to watch it." Yeah, you know, which is totally makes sense if you're around like 29, 30 years old, and you're making your first movie. And it's probably a script you've had for a long time, kicking around. Uh, it's it's a very unique concept. He actually says when he's talking about Brick that he didn't. It wasn't supposed to be noir. They never used the word film noir at any point in time mm-hmm. while talking about the movie and developing the movie, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. But uh, it's one of these movies. It was a film festival hit. Um, we'll kind of just cover his producer, Ron Bergman, as well. Yeah. At the yeah, same they've time. They've been partners for, for ever since they did Brick together. So Ron Bergman is a guy who I, I read an interview with him on Variety recently where he's talking about he came here from Israel and he was like, you see all these guys that are that are in the industry and they're trying to break in. They're trying to get in from the ground floor and they're, they're in mail rooms and they're PAs. He's like, the problem with that is you're spending so much of your time, so many of your hours just bending over backwards for no money. Right. It's really hard to have time to do the things you want to do. So he's like, I elected to take a job as a valet, which had nothing to do with my industry, work those hours, table that money, and then just try to rub two pennies together to essentially, and this is paraphrasing, obviously it's not a direct quote. Um, to you memorize this whole thing <laughs> <laughs> to essentially try to raise the money. And he wants to, he, he tried to learn the whole thing from the ground up, you know, raising the money, mm-hmm. setting up the production, shooting the film, selling the film, and then starting over. And one of his early projects was brick and brick was very successful for what it was, right? Which is why he and Ryan Johnson have kind of stuck together. Now, if, if it's Ryan Johnson, I always thought it was Ryan Johnson, but it's spelled with an I instead of a Y. I used to call him rain Johnson. I think it's cause I can't read. It's there's an I it's in front of the A though. I before a, except, after. That doesn't apply here. All right. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Miatas again? Uh, I just want to say I got a new Miata this year, 2008. <laughs> a new car, Mazda Miata. <laughs> um, it's because MacGruber drives one, okay? Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Big shout out to uh, Max Brockman. Big shout out to MB. <laughs> our big, our, our longtime fan and friend and just Long- the biggest MacGruber lover, lover out there. Just the biggest one. Probably the only person that loves it more than you. Yeah. I don't know about that. Let's not get let's not get crazy. Let's not get into that. So, so after Brick, that was that was kind of his first notable movie. That's that the breakthrough. Did. That's his breakthrough, yeah. and that was when him and uh, uh, Johnson started working together. And then he went on to work on Brothers Bloom with him. And now he's also, I mean, obviously he did Looper. We're talking about it. Did Don John, and now he's going to produce eight. And I think he's also co-writing nine. Or, did, excuse me. Did Ryan Johnson seven. direct Don John? Uh, no, I don't believe oh, so. You're saying you're saying I'm that, saying that he produced it. Oh, uh, Ram, Ram oh okay, okay. Yeah, so he's worked with Levitt a few times. Um, uh, Don John was written and directed by by Joe Gordon Levitt. Oh, I didn't know that he directed it. Yeah, and I haven't seen it, but I heard it was actually really good. I've heard it's pretty entertaining. entertaining. Yeah. Um, so I do want to just talk briefly before we get up to Looper about the break in his career between Brick and Looper. Okay. Um, so who are you talking about, Bergman or oh Johnson? Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Johnson is. This kid who has this early success with uh, with with Brick, and then mm-hmm. I remember seeing Brick before Brothers Bloom came out. I probably saw Brick in like '07, would be my guess. Right. I saw the trailers for the Brothers Bloom. Me too. And I remember just having this like sort of like cocking my head, like, what a weird cast. Like yeah. Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo, Rachel Weisz. It's Oliver like Platt. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it's some sort of like it's it's like some kind of. Uh, Comedy, like screwball, like the best con con men in the world, swindling millionaires with complex scenarios of lust and intrigue. They say in here, and this is like a story about their last job. Yeah, I think there was one of those iTunes six minute previews at one point of this movie because I think I watched the first six minutes of it or something. And I just was sort of like the same feeling the trailer gave me. Right, it was very, it was trying to be very clever. 
it just didn't seem to quite do it for me. <clears throat> and it, I don't think this movie was successful at all. I don't ever remember hearing a word about it from anyone. No, I was working at Blockbuster at the time, <clears throat> and, it, and like I, I've told you the story numerous yeah. times, is when back when there were movies or video stores, they would get like 300 DVDs right when it came out. And then after about two months of it being popular, you'd have to scrap. And by that, I mean you would go in and take an X-Acto knife to the disc and just cut it right down the middle. Hmm. So it was unwatchable to about two-thirds to three-quarters of those copies. And and so if you worked there, you could always just take them home with you instead of throwing it away. You could, So I have, like, tons of free movies. Yeah. I didn't take this one home. You just it was free. Interested. I just didn't want it. I <laughs> right. had Blue Crush. And I didn't take the Brothers Blue. You took the, really? Blue Crush? Can we start over? I don't know why <laughs> I mentioned her. <laughs> don't touch her. <laughs> um, that's the only line from that movie I remember. I don't even um, remember that. Yeah. It's from the trailer. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, I never saw the film. Is what I was trying to get at. You did. Let's, move, own, let's, let's move on. That's, uh, <laughs> back to what Johnson was doing before Looper, okay? Yeah. So Brothers Bloom comes out in 08, right? And you'd think this young kid who has the success with Brick, he makes a second movie with a bunch of movie stars in it. It doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's four more years until this movie came out. Right. Now he worked on some 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 music videos. Uh, he directed one episode of Terriers. Yeah, you know he was definitely once you once you're sort of in the loop in the running. Um, no pun intended. Uh, you kind of uh, you know your name will be on people's lips for at least a while in Hollywood until you have a huge disappointment. In some ways, Brothers Bloom was a huge disappointment. I think it was it was one of those things where people didn't care about it enough to be a huge disappointment. Yeah, you know. Whereas like with Looper, again, they probably didn't care about it that much. But if Looper was a huge disappointment, yeah, then I think that's when they would have been like, "All right, dude, nice try." Next, yeah. So James Stern, Ram Bergman, and Ryan Johnson start working on this film. Yes, and as you said, the script was was very appealing. Uh, one by one, the people are signing on to this movie. Yep, and. The, the, but the budget is not huge. It's a $30 million it's budget. very small. You know, but for him, for $30 million compared to, the, you know, 500000 for Brick. Right. Um, so they so they get into making this movie. This movie comes out. It's, it's very successful. We'll talk about the numbers in just a second. But after this... This um, is cool. Yeah. This is just super cool. He ends up directing three episodes of Breaking Bad. Three of the best episodes of Breaking Bad. So there's an episode of Breaking Bad called The Fly, mm-hmm. which is the one where Walter White is stuck inside the meth lab under the dry cleaners, and there's a fly that he can't kill yep. that is driving him crazy, which is a really just slow, cerebral episode a lot of people think is like one of the best ones. He directed that. Mm-hmm. He directed the fourth episode of the final season, and pretty much every episode in that season is great. And then the most important one he directed is Oz and Deus, which is the episode, spoiler just shut up your ears yes. right now. And go watch Breaking Bad. God damn it. If this is yeah. a spoiler for you, get your life together. And I love you, but seriously. That movie's incredible. Or that show's incredible. Uh, it's the second to last episode, I believe, or mm-hmm. third to last, Osmondeus, where I'll just say one of the very main characters dies, and the episode is just insane. Just say it. Well, just there's no need to. All right. It's an insane episode, and it quickly went on to be regarded as the greatest episode of the show, as well as one of the greatest episodes of television ever made. And this guy, Ryan Johnson, directed the episode. Yeah. I mean, in between movies. Like, in between doing this movie and getting signed on to do Star Wars well, Episode Eight. Again, that's what's so crazy about this guy. You do Brick, you do Brothers Bloom, you get money to do Looper, then you're like, oh, okay, uh, this guy's good, let's have him direct three episodes of the biggest show in the world at the time. And he kills it. And I think it's a testament to what you said about storytelling earlier. Yeah. You know, this movie is such a great example of storytelling. It's such a unique quantity, this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a it's a commodity. Like, movies that come along that are this original, this well-told, this this succinct... 
uh, made for this much money that look as good as they do. Right. They're so rare. They're incredibly. It does not happen. I mean, this is like when Terminator came out. It's like obviously right. I'm not going to say Looper's as good as Terminator, but it's the same kind of thing. It's it's a very very specific, very creative concept that this guy writes and directs and puts the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. And you watch it, you walk out of it being like. That's not based on a book. No. That's not based on a comic that is book. This guy's brain. That's just an idea he had, right. which is why he gets Star Wars because the smart people behind, you know, Disney now are saying, "Let's put a guy with a brain like this behind this franchise. Let's not just put Michael Bay behind Star Wars right. Episode Eight, You know, well, that's what I mean. You go Looper to three of the, the biggest episodes of the great of the biggest show on TV to Star Wars. It's crazy. This dude, ha- like, you go and you look. Look, we do a lot of research on this show. We do a lot of it on IMDb and Wikipedia. And you go and you cl- you click on his thing. Director, nine credits. Writer, eight credits. Editor, three. Actor, one. Yeah, he's got he very... nothing in the double digits. There's very little about this movie even. Brick, yeah, like you there's can, very little about him, period. About Looper, yeah. So I think, as I said, you're watching right now the birth of one of the definitive directors of this generation. Right. This the, is like the Paul Thomas Anderson, Darren Aronofsky's of, of our generation. Yeah. You know, like J.J. Abrams is very similar to him. Yeah, it's hard to find young guys that are, you know, 40 or younger that like have this kind of momentum this innovative um, especially in, in today's film medium like it's, yeah. they come up they have to kind of hit a couple home runs before we hear about them and this guy is that guy so mm-hmm. uh let's talk let's talk budget yeah so the 30 million dollars yeah nothing yeah this is one of the lowest budget movies we've done on this entire show I mean, some of the movies that cost 30 were made in 1986. Right. Like, some of the movies that we've covered in the late 80s are those movies. And some of those movies that we cover in the late 80s cost twice as much as this movie to make. So, quick numbers. Open September 28th, 2012. So, it's a fall release. This is after summer. This Mm -hmm. is when you start to bury your movies. Um, Domestic, it made $66 million. Worldwide, another 110. So, total gross of 217 against $30 million. Yeah, you look at the return on this and it's massive yeah so it opened number two with 20 million dollars which is not a bad opening mm-hmm. um just open behind hotel transylvania yeah we couldn't find we couldn't find a good solid box office graphic that we wanted to show you guys but uh-huh. just i'm just gonna throw a couple numbers out for you this movie cost 30 and ended up making 217 right so essentially seven times its budget worldwide yeah. Couple examples of some of some sci-fi movies what they cost and what they ended up making worldwide some successes and some failures the Matrix cost $63 million, made $463 million. Oh, you don't say. Right? So, by what? what's uh, 63 times 10 would be 630, so times 5 would be 315. It's, about, it's a little, it's like, it's, between, it's like seven and a half. Close to the same ratio, yeah. right? So this movie was close to <clears throat> as successful as The Matrix, which right. is one of the all-timers, right? Inception, 2010, cost $160 million to make, made 825 Again, I think about the same, the same thing, yes. right? But still, by ratio, just a little bit less, mm-hmm. right? Those, and that's Christopher freaking Nolan on getting, top of the world. Yeah. This is Christopher Nolan on top of the world between Dark Knight movies, getting yes. to make a sci-fi movie. That's what his movie makes. Yeah, Twelve Monkeys, which is much much older, cost twenty nine and made one sixty eight. Also a time travel right? movie. Terry Gilliam. Yeah. At the time that Terry Gilliam made this movie, Terry Gilliam had done any number of things. He was incredibly established. Oh, he, uh, have you heard of Monty Python? Yeah, I mean the guy like. He was, you know, a, a director, Academy a, Award yeah, nominated. Exactly. Like the movie was starring Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis in the in height the 90s, of their careers yeah. in '95. Now you look at a couple of movies that were made, ambitious concepts from directors that didn't have quite as much box office. And one cred. of these movies is well, it's fun, but the other movie is great. Yeah, Equilibrium cost twenty million dollars to make in two thousand two. <laughs> a similar concept to The Matrix in a lot of ways. Yeah. Very like you're a little late, guys. You're three years late. 
It made $5 million worldwide. So David Cronenberg movie. Cronenberg has made History of Violence. He made Eastern Promises. He's made all kinds of movies that people love. That's a brutal return. Horrible. A total yeah, failure. One of the bigger flops I've seen in a while. Sunshine, which is probably my favorite sci-fi movie. Uh, I love that movie. Yeah, I mean, that's maybe a bold statement, but it's close to it. Cost forty million dollars to make and is regarded as pretty much a modern classic mm-hmm. among sci-fi movies. And what they do with the forty million dollars in that movie is incredible. It only made thirty-two worldwide. Yeah, it's that's a, it, it Danny was a loss. freaking Boyle. This movie was made uh, two years before he won the Oscar for *Slumdog Millionaire*. Yeah. I mean, and this is the guy that made *Train Spotting*. This yeah. is this is like he's Danny Boyle. If you don't know what he's done, go and look what he's done. This guy is an incredible, incredible director, and it was a great cast. Yeah, Danny Boyle's fantastic. Got so, Killian Murphy, Chris Evans. You know, it's yeah. like isn't Rose. Rose Byrne. Yeah. yeah. So that's just kind of like if you look at some other recent flops from, from big directors, you can see Ju- Jupiter Ascending. You can see Cloud yeah. Atlas. You yeah. can see like it, it is really, really hard to make a sci-fi movie that has a large return on investment. This mm-hmm. guy made this for $30 million and it made seven times as much money. I mean that is remarkable. Right. He should pretty much get the keys to the Ferrari at this point. And look at the other <laughs> movies that were made in, in the vicinity, like the same timeline. $30 million is not even close to anything. Not even close. Yeah. No, 30 is a, is an indie. It's fully considered to be an indie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you go and you look at the critical for this movie, and people love it. Yeah. All the way across the board. Huge numbers, yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, you got 7.5 on IMDb, which I actually think is kind of low. Yeah, surprising. I think it should be like an 8 or so. Yeah. Um, you go into Rotten Tomatoes. All critics, top critics, and audience in that order give it a 93, a 92, and an 82, which I also find that kind of surprising. Like, for instance, Equilibrium was like a 30 yeah. by critics and like a 90-something by, by audience. audience. Yeah, this like movie, I feel classic. like, should be in the 90s as well by the audience. I mean, it seems like that type of movie. It's one of the... I think the, I think the adverse reaction from the audience score in this is the kind of thing where the kind of people that are watching Looper are sci-fi and action fans. But right. the thing is, <clears throat> the source material for Looper is not a book. It's not a comic book. It's actually movies that they're comparing it to, like The Terminator, right? other sci-fi classics that were made that it feels similar to. Mm-hmm. And because it's a little bit derivative in that sense, um, I think that's why an audience would sort of feel like they're smarter than the movie and want to give it a slightly lower score than they otherwise would if it wasn't being based on a book. or You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah. And I think that, that that, for me, is one of my favorite parts about the storytelling of this movie is that they don't waste the audiences. They keep... They, they let you go only so deep, and then they move you along yeah. with the story. They don't let you sit there, and they don't talk. I mean, even Bruce Willis says it in the movie. It's my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to waste time with this time travel crap. I don't want to talk about it. That's you know? my, yeah. It's great. And then you, they also don't waste time on his other life. And they, The fact that they're able to sum up everything that he's done in 30 years yeah. in a two-minute like, yeah. cut to yeah. is awesome. Which is one of, actually, I think the most... I actually think that that sequence is one of the best sequences in the movie. It is. It absolutely is because it literally tells the story of 30. You don't have – after that's done, there's no questions. Yeah. You're not like, well, what happened? Or like, why is he this way? It it actually – it reminds me of the first first five minutes of Up. Uh, No way. I was literally just going to say it reminds me of the beginning of Up. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. Which is beautiful storytelling. When it's that that succinct, it's that well – it's that self-contained. Yeah. yeah. It's just executed perfectly. I mean, I teared up. Yeah. yeah, it's really Both good. parts. No, the beginning of Up. Oh, you tell it, yeah. I think everybody did. Yeah, there's no way you can't. I think the beginning of Up is like one of the saddest things. Like Incredible. Well, yeah. Losing your loved one and animals dying will make yeah. people in America cry. In the world. In the world. Will make people yeah. in the world cry. Anyone cry. Anytime. Um, um, yeah, so you go and we... We'll, we'll do the rotten one first. So Kirk Honeycutt from Honeycutt's Hollywood says, As a human document, though the movie is rather unpleasant as one character is tracking down and killing children while another seems bent on killing himself. Like... 
what? Yeah. Something missing there? I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's if you think that this movie is dark. Yeah. Like, no, District Nine is dark. Yeah. Like that. Like, there's movies that are made that are intentionally graphic, that are that are very dark, that are just kind of brutal to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a dark movie in that way. Right. And like moves along. <clears throat> if you're saying that if you're saying as a human document, the movie is rather unpleasant as one character tracking down and killing children while another seems bent on killing himself. It is intense that Bruce Willis kills a child. And you see his reaction when he does it. Yeah. He's, like, disgusted with himself. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, like, I'm not saying here that, like, that's not dark, but, like, that scene is, like, a function of his character's desperation to move the plot along. And and in some yeah. ways, we've said, like, if you're trying to figure out who is the villain in this movie, it's either Bruce Willis or it's Jeff Daniels, but I think you have to say more, more it's, it's really more Bruce Willis. Than it, Jeff no, Daniels. J- j- uh, excuse me. Bruce Willis is definitely the bad guy in this movie. Jeff Daniels is like a proxy. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's just like there. Like a henchman. Need, yeah. Sort of a henchman. He's of, like there to drive the story. Yeah. Whereas Bruce Willis is the true bad guy. And Jeff Daniels is actually more likable than Bruce Willis. Bruce yeah. Willis. And, oh, and, yeah, because Jeff Daniels is cool. Yeah. You know, he's just he's a guy. Awesome. Like, he's like, like a. I'm not going to smash your fingers with a hammer. I'm just going to talk to you. I'm not You're stealing talk all long. of my favorite lines right now. My two options for favorite lines. You're welcome. You just ripped them out of my Now hand. you know how I felt last week with Roxy on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Roxy. Thanks, Roxy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's what I'm talking about. I mean, it's, I think that it's it's Bruce Willis. He's the bad guy. He's the one that does all the bad things. He's the one that you're trying to stop at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and he also just completely destroys Jeff Daniels. Yeah, absolutely. That scene is like... Seems like almost comical in some ways, but yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw in the fresh fresh review. We have about 15 minutes left, and I want to make sure we get through uh, our recast and all, all all the fun games we like to play here. So um, the fresh review, which is I think pretty hilarious. Can we just get that picture of Emily Blunt on the screen one can more we time? Just pull up that is that possible? Of Emily can we just Blunt? throw her back up there one more time? And if you could just be quiet um, so I can breathe in the mic. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> it, it says the first hour cooks and the second hour brings Emily Blunt into the story, which is a fine thing for any second half to offer. Um, I think that's a great review. I think it's a very good review. It's like if it really covers all bases of the movie. Here's the pitch meeting, uh, guys. I've got a concept for a film. It's uh, an older version of himself. It goes back in time. He has to uh, get in a fight with his younger self, who's also a hitman. Emily Blunt's in the second half of the film, and she's chopping wood sexily. Oh wow, you're bringing Emily Blunt halfway through, huh? <laughs> it's a it's a great pitch for a film. Why are we talking like? That? I don't know. Does that what Hollywood execs sound That's like? That's definitely what Hollywood. <laughs> Clearly, we've never been in a room with a Hollywood exec. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Captain. Um, anyway, so uh, ultimate action scene. I feel like more and more and more as we've done this show, we used to sort of focus on this. We yeah. try to break one scene down. Sometimes, like the bus jump in Speed, it's kind of interesting. Then we started to sort of discuss which is the which is the ultimate action scene. Yeah. More and more, I find I just don't care. I, I like the movie. They're all good action scenes. If there's one in particular that's worth talking about, then we talk about it. Yeah. I don't. Is there a scene in this movie that's like the true ultimate action scene in this movie is what we just talked about? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis takes over. That's like a classic '90s action scene. Just annihilates yeah. everyone. He like takes some PCP and like an invincible mushroom or something, and he goes and kills everybody. It's like Super Mario World. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just goes crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? He's like unstoppable, and he just picks up guns. Kills and it's just, everybody. It's just, it's just the Matrix lobby scene, just, yeah. except in this movie. Except for it's Bruce Willis, yeah. and he's 60. Willis probably wrote that in the script. He was like, like uh, I'll do look, it, but I... Uh, yeah. He's like, I need to be able to go in there and kill everyone. <laughs> I want one scene where I kill everybody. <laughs> uh, is that so much to ask? Yeah, so that's got to be the scene. Yeah, I think so. For me. Um, uh, but again, I, I'm with you, man. I feel like that that part of the show is kind of just like, whatever. 
Yeah, we want to start to do like some more interactive stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and we will we will definitely introduce some more of those. I think in the coming weeks, we have some Got pretty that cool new ideas one today. I like that. I like that we. It, I like it, and I hated it that we had to rank the movies. But I think it's oh, a yeah. really cool thing. for This will be a good about. one. So let's uh, let's do favorite line, and yep. we'll and we'll hero villain ranking, and then we'll get into recast. Um, my two favorite lines were the ones you just stole. Oh, oops! I, I did it again. I think. <laughs> did you just what? Britney Spears? Did you just? I don't understand the reference. <laughs> Um, I love I love that he says actually verbatim in the diner. I don't want to sit here talking about time travel because it's a waste of time and I'll make my head hurt or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that's the exact line, but it's just such it's the most like tip my hat to the audience. It's the writer breaking the fourth wall. It's Ryan Johnson saying, yeah. "Look, there's no way for us to explain time travel. We can't do it. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Everybody knows that. It makes that like." Anytime your future self is talking to your former self, right. you can talk about, about splitting all the off realities. All, yeah. Like, none of it makes sense. You can't explain it, and you never will be able to. No. So why? So let's just talk about the movie and the, the story. Relations. Ryan Johnson says he goes on record in an interview for this film saying, I wanted this movie to be about characters and their relationships. I wanted to get the time travel stuff off the table as soon as I could because I didn't want to have to explain it the mm-hmm. whole time. He does a fantastic job. That line... Um, I guess the other one I was going to say I like when Jeff Daniels is ranting, but I'll go with my other favorite mm-hmm. because I love her. <laughs> is when Emily Blunt first uh, comes out and she's yelling at the hobo before he, she sees him. Oh, right. It's when she sees jo- JGL hiding in the yeah. – and she's like, I'll cut you the fucking half. And she's got her shotgun. Yeah. I just – she's it's great. Amazing. She's super hot. What do you like got? Kind of southern accent. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you say that because, like, you know, uh, I do a decent amount of improv. You've done improv yeah. as well. Uh, characters and relationships is the bread and butter. That's what drives every scene, every great scene in improv. And it's the same thing with movies. It's, yeah. If it's about characters and relationships, I'm there. I'm yeah. sold. You can put everything away. You can get yeah. Anyway, uh, so I actually had a couple favorite lines, but then I remembered. I think my real favorite line is the one at the end of the movie. And he's standing there, and he goes, and then I saw it. I saw a mom who would die for her son, a man who would kill for his wife, a boy angry and alone, laid out in front of him the bad path. I saw it, and the path was a circle. Round and round. And so I changed it. It's a good line. It's very good. Yeah. And his delivery of it is great. And it's it's perfect for the title of the movie. It's perfect for everything that goes around, comes around. Like, you're just sitting there and you're watching it. And you kind of have that realization. Because when we were watching it, you were like, yeah. I don't remember how this movie ends. And he yeah. starts saying that line. You're like, oh, yeah. Yep. I remember how it goes down. Yep. And it's great. Very good. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, okay. So... I don't think there's a hero villain ranking in this movie. I don't know. Oh, I thought about it. I was sitting here at the beginning of the show, and I, I think I don't think I have a fifty. Okay, on my list, I think I want to put Joseph Gordon-Levitt at fifty for a hero. For a hero. Wow, that's... I just love what he does in this movie. I love who he, I love the character. I love this journey that he goes through. Yeah, I love that he sacrifices himself to save the world. Hmm. I love that he sleeps with Emily Blunt. God, I love that scene. I love that he has this like <laughs> father-son relationship with Sid. Yeah. He's just a fucking cool guy. He's a good character. Fair enough. I'm going to put him at 50. Joe from Looper at number 50 Joe on Andrew's from Looper, list. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, I, that, yes. would, that would actually knock off Brian Mills from Taken. Ooh. Is Mills 50? Mills is 50, looking at it right here. Who's 49? Max Rictansky from Fury Road. <laughs> all right, I'm moving all of them up. I'm going to put Looper at 50, Taken at 49, Rock Tansky and Rock Tansky at 48. Nailed it. Perfect. Good Thank you so much. Thanks uh, for the shout out. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, for me, 
I just don't think I, I totally understand. I could see them both being in the top hundred, possibly. Yeah, and maybe as this movie ages, as this continues to age, mm-hmm. they'll move up. Because this, like I said, I do think this will be considered a modern classic. Yeah. But as it stands now, they don't jump off the screen at me, kind of in in just a way that is notable. So um, let's move to the second list. I understand. That. Actually, no. Let's we're gonna we're actually gonna do recast first, and then we will oh, show yeah. our ranking. So we chose five roles to recast. Um, the five roles that we are going to recast are Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis, Emily Blunt, Jeff Daniels, and Scott Segan. Is that what it is? I think it's Scott. What's his first name? Segan. It's, uh, it's the jackass with a gat. <laughs> it's the jackass with a gat that shoots himself in the foot. Um, <laughs> I'm going to jump in first and do the jackass that shoots himself in the foot with the gat. And this is an old recast, so we go back to basically... You know that's our, a real gun yeah. that was in production? That gat? Really? It's absurd, right? It's, it's like 45 to 70 caliber handgun. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, did not know that. Just a fun thing to talk about. Um, basically, this is an old one. So you're going to take actors who were the correct age to play these roles between essentially like... 85 and 95, yeah. or like 87 and 97, sort of like that decade in there somewhere. And obviously, now it's a little easier to get specific, but when we're going back that old, you can pick and choose, like, do I want this guy from 87 and this chick from 96, and you kind of just mash them into one mm-hmm. reality. And that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to start out, I'm going to go Christian Slater. Christian Slater, that is a very good one. Like for I him, do love that one. Like early 90s, like late 80s, like I think he was in, was it Black Rain or Hard Rain? Hard Rain, maybe? Yeah, I think it was Hard Rain. Yeah, but... He's uh, also in Cuffs. If yes. Any of you guys have seen Cuffs, that movie's awesome. Like pre-Broken Arrow, like yeah. just a few years before Broken Arrow, Christian Slater, I think he'd be... Perfect. Just right. He's yeah. such a weasel. Yeah, True Romance, right? That's Christian Slater? I think so. I haven't seen that movie in so long, which is, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's almost positive. Yeah, so that's that's my uh, dickhead with a gun. Right. What do you got? Uh, I went with Joshua Jackson. Pacey? Skulls. Pacey? Yeah. <laughs> Dawson's Creek? Yeah, exactly. Wow. He's just a douche. Like, he, yeah. he would be perfect at this role. Oh, my God. I just remembered. My other favorite line was, uh, and I'm sorry to go back, was when uh, he's like, I'm going to France. You should go to China. I'm oh. going to France. I'm from the future. You should go to China. Yeah, it's great. That's, uh, a, that's a really good line. Which is funny because the original script called him to go to... That's why he was learning French, was he was supposed to go to Paris. Yeah. And they realized that they couldn't afford to film there because they only had $30 million. Uh. So the Chinese distributor was like, you know what? If you guys film in China, I'll just take care of everything. So that's why they changed it to China. Nice. Anyway, sorry. Back to Joshua Jackson. I just don't like him. He's a shit weasel? He's a shit weasel. Is I mean, he? he's, he's actually, like, he's, he's fine in the skulls. He's in Mighty Ducks. He's in Mighty Ducks? But I just think he's, he's in the divorce. Or the, uh, the, that new show, The Affair, isn't he? I'm not sure. Pretty sure oh, he's I, I could have put James Vanderbeek there, too. He just wanted a shit weasel. They're, they're equally shit they, weasels. Yes, I'm from the same show. For me, yeah, exactly. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to Jeff Daniels' character. Um, uh-huh. I, had, I had two that I really liked here, and. I think I'm gonna go Hackman. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go early yeah. '90s Hackman. It's like Enemy of the State. Yeah. A little before that. Before oh, that, like like the firm. Was Enemy like the, the firm. State, right? Like yeah. the firm era Hackman, or like, um, you know, after Uncommon Valor, but like more more like I mid, like Gene Hackman. Yeah, like mid '90s. Because not when he's like so old that he's like Tenenbaums old. Yes. I'm thinking more like more Very like '92, '93, '94. Gene Hackman. My other option is Warren Beatty, but I think I, I like, like Warren Beatty. I like Hackman in this role. Remember how we were going to try to bring Hackman on the show? Yeah. But he just retired? Yeah, he doesn't do... he writes do, novels now. He doesn't do appearances anymore. Writes fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went with Anthony Hopkins. Amistad era? Uh, Amistad and Mask of Zorro era. Instinct. Like, in, or between there? Yeah. He's like old enough, and the thing is, Jeff Daniels isn't physically intimidating. Hearts in Atlantis? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just... I haven't heard of that movie in so long. Uh, Meet Joe Black? Right. Um, it's a good era. 
<laughs> we, uh, yeah, I think it'd be great because it's all about line delivery. Yeah. That's all you need. Okay. I, I mean, Hopkins is an Oscar winner. Uh, yeah. He's incredible. He's incredible. The Edge. Oh, my God. I love The Edge. We're doing that on this show. Can we? Is the bear the smartest person in the room? 100. He's a genius. Okay, what about them being police or military or political? We break the rules all the time. Is he a senator or something? He could be a he's senator. He's a genius. He's very smart. Are we can... talking about the bear or Anthony Hopkins? Both. <laughs> the bear was a senator in Edge. The bear's Mensa the score Edge. was off the charts. <laughs> no, we need, to, we need to do that That's movie. a sweet movie. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Um, all right. I uh, went with Aniston for Blunt. Oh, okay. Mid nineties like Aniston. Early, early friends. Yeah, early friends. Like, was that Picture Perfect yeah, movie? Things yeah. like that. Office Space. Was, like, she, was Reality Bites? Was that her? Or am I, I think so. mixing up? I don't know. But um, yeah. Permanent Midnight. I she's kind of that. She's kind of that girl. Yeah, she's yeah. Kinda the it girl in the nineties. Like, she might be a little too like cute and quirky for yeah. Emily Blunt's role. Yep. But I think Emily Blunt could be could pull off a Jennifer Aniston role. You yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. She just doesn't really do it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I decided to go with Diane Lane. Uh, Mid nineties, okay. Diane Lane. I feel like, like she's a little old. Uh, well, okay. So Rumblefish is like eighty seven, I think, or eighty six, mm-hmm. and that's she's like a kid in Rumblefish. So I'm jumping forward to like the mid nineties, like I think pre pre unfaithful, pre hardball, unfaithful. Like, what's like? About that. I'm trying to think of like a like a Diane Lane movie from like the mid nineties that jumps out. Uh, for the record, guys, I love Diane Lane. As far as my older woman crush goes, she's pretty much number one. Yeah. I think a lot of people love Catherine Zeta-Jones, and I love Catherine Ooh, Zeta-Jones. I love Catherine Zeta-Jones. But Diane Lane is like, I would if I saw her on a red carpet or something, if she was there, I would, I would lose marry me. my mind. Like, I, t- I talked to Carla Gugino pretty recently. Ooh, I love her. Yeah, I talked to her at the, at the uh, what's it called, premiere? Um, uh, the San Andreas. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's and what. I was pretty pretty struck by how beautiful she was, but Diane Lane is like really high on my So she list. would have been 35 and 95. That's fine. Yeah, yeah she yeah, looks yeah. young. She's, yeah, she's always looked pretty she's young. So. Uh, I love Diane Lane. She's a good older woman crush. I remember I used to really, really love Elizabeth Hurley when Bedazzle yeah, came out. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. And then, uh, is it Selma Hayek that's in uh, Frida? Desperado? Yeah, she's a Desperado. <laughs> <laughs> I love her eyebrow. Yeah. Let's keep, let's keep rolling. Willis, what do you got? Nolte. And it's because I cast... Come on, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. You sound like a goddamn <laughs> rocket walking through the door. Uh, it's because I cast Swayze as Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I, Swayze? Swayze and Nolte. I think that you could do almost the same thing with their makeup in the 90s. Swayze is my all-time favorite actor. Yep. Um, the fact that... I think he's too much of a cowboy. He's not awkward enough. I think you could make him awkward. Yeah, he's... Just he, cl- cut his hair, clean him up, because he, he's always got the long flowing... He could do no wrong. He could do no wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That sounds interesting. I, I just figure if I use Swayze, you just can't really talk that much nope, crap about it. Not at all. I think it's a great decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Ugh, Swayze. I'm so sad he's gone. Yeah, never got to one. meet him. We could do Roadhouse my, one day. Breaks my heart that Swayze's gone. Um, I, for my Willis, mm-hmm. went with Paul Newman. Yeah, and Newman at the time would be a little old. He's right on the edge. Right, right. Because eighty six. He's in Color of Money, and he's already and he's already pretty old, but he's kind of doing a he's reprising like a younger. Do you think that he could pull off like the gun sh- the gunfighting scene? And all I, that? I have a feeling he could. He might he might be just past it, but like the could thing he is, kick his younger self's ass like Bruce Willis does. Like I think that if you were to, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and okay. I, I and I think even if you he's he's like. He's so charming and sort of cunning in his look yeah. that I think even if he didn't go with the physical stuff, you'd be able to, like, make him win just by, by smarts and, like... Look at how handsome he is. God, I love Paul Newman. Oh, he's great. He's amazing. So uh, that's... And I'm going to just pair it with my... Which is going to crack you guys up. Um, I had So I had three that I went with that I liked, right? I really like Mickey Rourke, like, late 80s, 
Mickey Rourke. Pretty boy Mickey Rourke. He's a little too pretty, though, for my taste. Yeah. I really, really, really like the idea of using Keanu Reeves, like Point Break era Reeves. I think that's the best one that you had. And I think that's pretty damn good, Mm because he's sort of awkward in that same way. But I ended up actually, and this is going to seem ridiculous, going with Tom Cruise. And I'm not talking... No! (laughs) And I'm not talking, like, late 90s. I'm talking late 80s. Because if you watch Color of Money, he's this, like, confident... Ernest Rain kid. Man time too. Yeah, it's yeah. two years prior. I, I I'm thinking like risky business era, Top Gun era. Like mm-hmm. he's confident, he's brash, but he's kind of a jackass, and right. he's he's overconfident. He thinks he's like God's gift of this earth, and he seems like a kid. And he, in in Color of Money, when he's across from Paul Newman, there's this great dynamic. Right. And I think you could, if you use that same exact dynamic for this, I think it would have been fantastic. What if we did Wal- What about Wahlberg and Bridges? good would you because Wahlberg at the time would have been perfect but Jeff Bridges back then yeah you think he's old enough he's I mean he's he'd be in his 40s yeah probably like fearless was like 93 I think I don't know where that just came from but I think that'd be kind of cool yeah it's not bad all right um so we could talk about our new thing oh yeah yeah so because you just did yours as well yeah um Cage versus Cruz, it's pretty clear that I just went with Cage, or I went with Cruz, so, uh, which is not surprising at all. We are going to talk about the final categories game here, guys. There's three action movie categories in our opinion. There is Totally Legitimate, which is basically summarized by The Fugitive or some movie that is totally, like, just a real movie that happens to have action in it. Right. Um, there's Totally Ridiculous, which is like a movie that falls off the cliff of absurdity, kind of like a face-off or a con air. Um, and then there are movies that are legitimately ridiculous, which are... the Basic, rock? ridiculously legitimate. I think you can call it either one. Yeah. The Rock is like the example. You Predator. Predator, yeah. Speed, <laughs> you know. They're, yeah. they're kind of silly. You laugh at a lot of lines unintentionally, but they're riveting. Yeah. They're pulse pounding. Absolutely. Um, you know, they could be characterized as like a slam-bang action thriller. No, I'm, just <laughs> going, I'm just going off an edge here. Peter Travers. Um, so uh, we are going to talk about that category, but really quickly we're going to look at where we put our two lists. Uh, Andrew and I went through the 23 movies that we've done on this show, yeah. and we ranked them. Um, and we're going to have to decide here where does Looper fit into our respective list. So this is Andrew's list we have on the screen right now. So I'd like you guys to look at my list and remember that I have an in- okay, The Matrix and Gladiator. Gladiator, clearly. You don't even have to have like a sick love with that movie. That movie is the best movie. Gladiator's really good. I mean, uh, Air Force One, incredibly high. Uh, Con Air was literally one behind Air Force One. It was at number 10. Or number nine, but then I was like, I can't do that. Like yeah, I have, I have like a weird upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm happy with my list. After you know, it comes down to it. I think I think it's pretty good. I think if I'm going to do Looper, which I'm first because I'm up there, it has to go at number six behind Terminator Two. Wow. Yeah. Ahead of Man on Fire. Ahead of Edge of Tomorrow. That is really high. It is very high. Looper and, is better than Born. It's better than Minority Report. It's yeah, better than Mi Three. Love this movie, and it's funny that when this movie this movie came out in 2012, between 2012 and 13, I probably watched this movie like a, probably like I said, I've seen it probably close to 10 times. I probably watched it about eight or nine times in that time. Wow! And then I just didn't watch it for a couple of years. Huh? And then we went back and watched it with you the other day. I love this movie. It's really good. It is one of the better movies I've seen. I, to me, it's basically perfect. Yeah. There's not anything I can really can complain about. So I'm gonna put Looper at number six can see here that we have Independence Day on both of our lists as the worst movie we've ever done on this show. I think the bottom four are very similar on ours. Yeah. I believe they are, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, so as you guys can see, Terminator 2, I believe, is the greatest action film of all time. I was not shy about sharing that opinion in the first place. Um, I have a sick love for James Cameron because Aliens just blew my, just fucking blew my mind. Yeah, incredible. Um, 
The Matrix is incredible. Obviously, Live Die Repeat's the one that's like sort of that's your that's your Air Force One. Yeah, and the reason that I feel that way about Live Die Repeat is that the movie only came out a year ago. Yeah, but I, like I've seen it probably ten times in a year, and every time I watch it. I'm so engaged. Yeah, you love that movie. I just, it's just you great. You love that movie so much. <laughs> it's just great. So, I mean, it's really absurd for me to put that ahead of Gladiator. But, like, when I watched Gladiator again, I was like, yeah, this is, pre- this is pretty good. This is a really great movie. Live, Die, Repeat. I'm like, I just want to watch that again. Like, and I've watched Gladiator a lot of times. But, I don't know, it's hard. We're, we're sort of trying to throw out the whole greatest versus favorite conversation. Be very careful here what you're saying. <laughs> I have a gun I between have a my gun legs. between my legs and a pen in my head. Uh, yeah, th- again, this is favorites, not greatest. Yeah. I mean, there is some, there's definitely an air of, of like, impact that we're right. putting on here. It's not just favorite. Right, like, Die Hard moved up a lot on my list, even though for me it wasn't like, yeah, I do really enjoy it, but you gotta remember what that movie did for all action movies. For instance, Point Break is my all-time favorite movie, but when right. I do Point Break, I'm having a hard time believing it's gonna be anywhere inside the top, like, seven or eight on there. Yeah. It'll, it'll yeah. end up fitting somewhere in there for me, because it's just not a better movie than TT. There's just mm-hmm. no way. So, uh... What happens when we do Warrior, man? Yeah, we'll see. I know. So, Looper, for me, is probably better than... It's it's falling right in that... I think that. I know exactly where it's going to go on your list. For me? Yeah. It's, it falls somewhere between, like, 7 and 9. Um, I had it at 7 for you. I had it that it would be a better than Mad Max. Mad Max? That's what I thought, but... Yeah, I mean, it's is it better than Die Hard? I, yeah, it's, 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 that's, you're exactly right. Yeah. I think I put it at exactly... Seven, because Gladiator I still think is a better movie. Die Hard is like still more important and it's tight in the same way. And Mad Max Fury Road is the movie that I have to watch again and like it might just jump up on my list. Just I think it will, man. When I watched it because I rented it again last week and I watched it and it I watched it like three times in yeah. the course of twenty four or forty eight hours. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was an awesome movie. I, but for now, I'm gonna I'm gonna move Mad Max to, to eight and I'm gonna put Looper in at seven. Um, and that, if it's not obvious to our listeners, we are pretty much sure both putting it in totally legit. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely totally legit. Yeah, there's nothing about Absolutely. this movie that there's seems no. anything other than totally legit. So, uh, um, I, sorry to, to cut you off. There is this, this is a quite an arduous task. It took us a, a while to do it. Um, if you guys want to do this, we would love, absolutely love, love to see your guys' list. We already yeah. love all the other interactive things you do. If you have time to go and rank these 24 movies, please, God, go do it. I can't wait to see what order you put them in to know what your favorite action movie is. Yeah, so the two ideas I would say would be either uh, leave it in the YouTube comments for this one, mm-hmm. which would be cool, or if you got, if you want to just like write it on your phone, screen cap it, and then tweet that picture at yeah, us. If you, if you tweet the picture, that's the easiest because I can retweet the picture for you mm-hmm. and uh, and we can, you know, we'll comment and everything like that. Let's let's start a dialogue going. That'd be a lot of fun. So the last thing to do here, guys, is we are going to give one more mug away right now. Uh, and like I said, the deal with this is we have 20 ratings right now and 17 reviews. So we're going to give mugs away right now until we get to 20 reviews. And yeah. I know we had said previously we were just going to give more mugs away at that point, but they're taking longer to get here. They're costing a bit more than we thought. And we're tired of making you guys wait for them, honestly. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna basically just try to introduce like new interactive games to do other cool giveaways. So this is the this is the mug. The mug game is coming to an end pretty soon here. Once we get three more, we're going to stop. So I would recommend yeah. get on that train so you can still win a mug. Right. Um, today... First off, wanted to give a shout out to JLF Plus, who has not tweeted at us. We gave you the first mug. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to hear from you so we can get it to you. Tweet uh, Scoops thirty five and Hurst. You guys both know who you are. 
Fly Ride 23, I think we... last week, right? Last week, and I think yeah. you tweeted at us, so I think you know you want a mug. Mm-hmm. Today, we are giving one to... Was it Jeff the Recruiter? Was that... Jeff the Recruiter. Jeff the Recruiter, who I think was the 16th review really? we got. Okay. Um, I believe so. If it's something else, the Recruiter, you can shout me out. There's probably not two of you whose names are something <laughs> the Recruiter. There's Jeff and Mike the Recruiter. They're in a battle now. <laughs> I believe it's Jeff the Recruiter. So congratulations. You will have your mug. Just get us the details um, when you when you hear this. And aside from that, um, that that does it, right? This was fun. This was a lot of fun. Right. Guys, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us on Action Movie Anatomy. Be sure to check out the other shows on Popcorn Talk. Yeah. And we will see you guys next week. Boom. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.